Thank you. Let's stand open our Bibles to Psalms chapter 1 this morning. Psalms 1, we'll read the entirety of the chapter, all six verses. This is one of those psalms that I know many have memorized. I hope that you'll take the time. What a great passage to put to memory. The Bible says, Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. How many like to have that promise? Whatsoever he doeth. I want to live that way. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff, which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Blessed, blessed David, consider his beginnings. A shepherd boy, very common upbringing, uh, nothing outstanding in his youth, no money in his home, a simple life, a simple background, a simple beginning. And here we find him in the palace. We find him writing scripture. We find him named a friend of God. Blessed. I don't think, young people, that you want to live your life without the blessing of God. I can't imagine Christians that attempt uh, to live a life contrary to the word of God and think they're going to have the blessings of God. And we talk about blessings, young people. Let me help you understand the importance of the word, the end. Because blessings and cursings are not found in the beginning or even in the middle. If you're not careful, you'll consider someone in an early stage of life going opposite to the word of God. And you'll count a financial advantage as a blessing. Or you'll, you'll count that job or that house or that car or that person that they have chosen as a mate. You'll count all of those things at the beginning, the blessing. Give it time. Give it time. God is faithful and the blessing or the cursing is found not at the beginning but at the end. And when we talk about the blessing of God, we're not talking about a life free of adversity. Anybody here lived 30, 40, 50 years and can say, my life has been totally free of adversity. I'd like to meet that person. I'd like to find out your secret. Uh, blessing of God, the blessing of God does not mean you're free of adversity. We see that in the life of David. That means you have the, the ability given by God to overcome those adversities and succeed after the adversity. And you see a lot of people hit by adversity. And because they don't have the blessing of God you see devastation as a result of that adversity. But he said, blessed is, now circle the next word, the man. You know why he says the man? Because they're not numerous. Blessed are all the people. Blessed is a man. Blessed is any man. But no, blessed is the man, that man. I wish I could say, young people, that everybody that I pastored fell into that category. Just doesn't happen that way. You would think, with the blessing of God, that this chapter would be 
at least 10, 12, 15 pages long explaining how you can be blessed, but it's not. It's summed up in a couple don'ts and one do. That you say, life can't be that simplistic. You know, I, I don't think life you can put to a three-point outline. I think you have to be careful. We, we read John Maxwell's books and others, and your solution is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And if you follow these seven steps, guaranteed success, joy, and blessing. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying God has given us the recipe for his divine blessing, and I want to live that kind of life. I want to live the happy life. Young people, over the course of time, you're either going to become much happier or much more miserable. All of you have noted that there are people that you don't want to become, and they fill our church pews. You've sat around them. You've spoken to them. You've shook their hand. You've smiled, but in your heart of hearts, you're saying, I don't want to end up like you because you're a miserable person. You find a way, no matter how blessed you are, to be a miserable life, and I don't want that kind of misery at any stage, young people. I want to see you smiling in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, your 70s, your 80s, and if you make it any longer than that, I won't be around to (laughs) celebrate with you, amen. Blessed is that man. Now, here's what Deuteronomy says. You don't have to turn there with me, but Deuteronomy 30 speaks of the decisions. There's two ways here, the way of righteousness, the way of God, the way of blessing, or the way of unrighteousness, and the way of misery, the way of God's cursing. In Deuteronomy 30, verse 19 speaks about the decisions that are involved there. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. Young people, it is really that simple. You choose to walk in God's word or you choose to disobey God's word and disobeying God's word can never bring you God's blessing. You may have a moment of success, a moment of joy, a moment of what you'd consider blessing, not God's blessing, but a moment of blessing. But sooner or later, you're going to realize that way doesn't end up well. Now, let's talk about three things that makes up the blessed man, the happy man. Blessed, let's look at the don'ts. Blessed a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. The happy man is one that's separated from the wrong kind of influences. Young people, it, you need to be careful because you get to choose your influences. Now, you didn't choose the home that you were uh, raised in. Those influences were predetermined, your father and your mother. But the older you get, the more you get to choose. Some of you need to be very careful because uh, almost all of your influence is secular in nature. The people that surround you are unsaved. The people you work with are unsaved. Your neighbors are unsaved. Your family members are unsaved. You better be careful because those voices mean if you're not making the right kind of choice, you can't be blessed by God because you're going to be around the counsel of the ungodly. How many of you have ever held a remote? Uh, can I see your answer? We, we got some people that are weird or liars. I don't know which or lame. I, I don't know. 
you've held a remote. Now, how many of you have ever sat down to watch for the ladies? Maybe it's Hallmark for the men, maybe a football game, World Cup, baseball game. I, I don't know. I, I like to travel the world. I like to see the world. If I'm not a, a television watcher, I really don't have much interest in it. But if I'm going to watch anything, it needs to be something that is showing uh, somewhere else in the world. I don't care if it's Africa or South America, uh, Russia or Alaska. I just want to be viewing a new part of the world that I've never seen before. That's me. That's the only way you can get my attention with the TV. My, my kids, over the course of their life, have asked me, especially around Christmas, they, they want to watch some Christmas. Dad, would you watch with us? And would you please stay with us for more than five minutes? Like, all I can promise you is five minutes. Sometimes I can make it to ten. If I fall asleep, I'll give you the whole hour. <laughs> that just does not have my attention. But I promise you this, although I'm not interested in any of that, you have to be careful because if you put a remote in your hand with all the right intentions in the world, that channel will come to something that is ungodly and you'll find yourself sitting at the council of the ungodly. How many say, I've, I've been there. And you know what? If any other Christian would have been present with you, you would have watched that. You know, I'm not talking about something that's X-rated or R. I'm not talking about anything. I'm just talking about you knew this is not godly. And if the Lord Jesus Christ was here and the Holy Spirit is present, we know that. But if he were physically, visibly present here, there's no way I would have turned to this channel or stayed on this channel. If another Christian friend, if Mike was here, I wouldn't watch this. If Sergio was here, I wouldn't watch this. But because the remote hit that channel, I suddenly found myself sitting at the seat, the wrong seat, the seat of this corner. How many understand how easy it is? Internet and radio and just the voices that were around. God said, I can't bless that person who chooses to receive Counsel. Now, we understand when it comes to counsel, you have two gates to receive counsel. The eye gate and the ear gate. And those gates, if, if it's coming in. Now, if it comes in, both those gates, normally it's going to go right to the heart. You need to guard those gates. We've spoken of the verses in Peter that, that mention Lot vexing his righteous soul. And then what's it say about him? Seeing and hearing, and that's how you can vex your righteous soul. Allowing the wrong voice, the wrong fluence to come. I would circle because three times in this verse, you find the preposition in. You know what? You know how to avoid the blessing of God and to keep, to exchange. Here's what we do. We trade the promise of whatsoever he do shall prosper. We trade that. For a TV show. Now, if we really believe God's word, whatsoever he doeth. How many of you want your child-rearing to prosper? How many want your marriage to prosper? What about your finance? How many say, I really like my finances to prosper? How many like your health to prosper? You say, Pastor, are you turning into a prosperity gospel? No, not at all. I'm turning into a Bible believer. Yeah. Amen. Once again, not free from adversity, but the 
God-given ability to overcome the adversity of life and to be blessed by God, he said those things that counsel the ungodly should not find its way into your eye gate or your ear gate. And that means I don't want the wrong voice. Now, I believe everyone here is wise enough, spiritually speaking, to say that's an unsafe person. I don't need his counsel. But there are many that sit at the feet, literally, hours during the week, talk radio, television, news, whatever it is. You have allowed those in the world. Now, you see the digression. There is a walking. We, we've all seen this. We, we've understood it. There's a walking, then there's a standing, and then there's a sitting. That digression where instead of walking by, now you're slowing down, you're standing. There's a conversation that's taking place. You know who you walk with? Young people in the school, you know who you walk with to lunch? You know who you walk? Those are your counselors. Those are your instructors. Those are people that you have brought into your life that you have allowed to influence you. And when we say ungodly, we're not talking about just those in the world. Uh, you know, I, I can see by all the facial piercings and tattoos and the strange hair and the inability to identify their gender, uh, they shouldn't be counseling me. I'm not talking about that. I, I'm talking about someone in the local church who's not right with God, should not be your counselor. I've watched people who claim to be good Christians who are outside of church because they first walked in the counsel of the ungodly, then they stood in the way of sinners, and now they sit in the seat, and maybe online, chat rooms. Attacking everything they once believed or claimed to believe. We're not supposed to stand in the way of sinners. We shouldn't have any influence there that is taking us from God. Let me ask you this, Christian. What are you distancing yourself from right now? There are people in this church who are, we understand a healthy Christian is one that is faithful to read his Bible. He's faithful to pray. He's faithful to church. He's faithful to tithe. And he's faithful to sowing. That's a healthy Christian. It's surprising how few healthy Christians we have in any given church. Can you say you're a healthy Christian? Can you say this past month you are faithful to read your Bible every day? You are faithful to spend time in prayer every day. You are faithful to the house of God every time the doors were open. You are consistently being a witness. You are faithful in tithing off all your increase if you now we're talking about the basic level that's that should be first grade kindergarten second grade level christianity but for many it's not if those things are not consistent in in a, a normal pattern of lifestyle in the believer he's unhealthy but you know where that all starts Getting in the word of God and saying, I'm either distancing myself from the wrong kind of influence because I'm drawing nigh to God or I'm distancing myself from God and I'm drawing nigh to the wrong kind of influence. If you watch young people in this kind of environment that are going off the cliff or going the wrong direction, you can always put your finger on the wrong kind of influence. That doesn't happen because you have the right influence in your life. 
You're not living like that or acting like that or dressing like that. Your attitude didn't become that because you're surrounded yourself with all the right influences. That doesn't happen. If you were to surround yourself with the right influences, it would correct most of the problems, spiritual problems in your life. And if you find yourself in spiritual trouble, it's because you've distanced yourself from the right kind of influence. You've gotten closer and opened up your ear gate to the wrong kind of influence, and you're headed for trouble. Amen. Blessed is that man that walketh not in the council. Now you say, preacher, uh, how do I do that? Because I work in the world, I'm surrounded by it. I'm just not listening to their psychology, their philosophy. I'm not going to absorb their humanism. I'm going to make sure that I'm saturating my mind in the word of God, not the words of this lost world. This is why a public school environment is so dangerous for the Christian young person. This is why a secular university is so dangerous for the Christian. You say, Pastor, are you against secular universities? I was against them years ago. Now, now in this day and age, they're not hiding what they're trying to do to our youth. If you're oblivious to the dangers of secular education, you're just oblivious. I won't even debate or argue with you because I can't help you. Verse 2, his delight. So it's not just... The blessed man is separated from the wrong kind of influences. But look at this. He is, his delights in the law of the Lord. His law doth he meditate day and night. He's saturated in the word of God. His delight. Now let me ask you this. Is your delight, you say this, this has to be easy. Blessed, I want to be blessed. Okay. If you eliminate it from your life, all the wrong kind of influences. And I would say average Christian is not. Social media so permeates. If, if you talk about does the law of God permeate his thoughts or does social media permeate his thoughts? And here's what's so scary, parents. What you've got to understand is young people have been taught and trained whatever they read is truth. So they go on some social media platform and whatever, because it's, this has to be official because I'm seeing it on a screen. So it doesn't matter what kind of garbage you're being printed or so-called science. There's nothing scientific behind that science. It's just some idiot that's posted or written yeah. or typed or blocked, yep. and you happen to read it, yeah. and you became a follower of that idiot, which yeah. makes you a greater idiot. Yeah. Yeah. Pastor, you're being cruel this morning. It's time we got honest. Yes, sir. And said, if, if the lights don't come on and we don't eliminate the wrong kind of influence from our lives, we're going to end up so far from the blessings of God that we can't find them at any point or stage in our life. Our delight has to be the law of God. Oh, I wish I could say it were the case that every Christian's delight was found in the word of God and the law of God. His meditation day and night is supposed to be the Word of God. Several years ago, I preached on the subject. I don't want to re-preach it this morning, but I will remind you, meditation is about the Word of God so saturating us that it's constantly on our lips. When our delight is in the law of the Lord, how many of you struggle to know what the delight of a young person is? They talk about it. If they talk about 
eating or they talk about hunting or they talk about fishing or they talk about pro football. They talk about mechanics. Whatever they're mumbling and muttering and talking about is their meditation. How many of you men have ever had your wife ask you, so what are you thinking? Here's the difference between a man and a woman. When a man is thinking, he goes quiet. When a woman is thinking, she can't stop speaking. But if you want to know what someone else is thinking, listen to them talk. If someone never talks about God or Scripture, never quotes a verse, never says anything spiritual, it's because his meditation is something other than the Word of God. Psalms 119.15, David said this, I'll meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes, in thy word. I'll not forget thy word. He said in verse 97, oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. He says in 77 verse 12, Psalm 77 12, I'll meditate also thy work. I will talk of thy doings. Go with me to Psalm 63. When you are meditating, you are mumbling, muttering, speaking about that which is on your mind. Have you ever been in a vehicle with someone and you heard them begin to mumble or mutter about the drivers around them? It's faint, but you hear that idiot. I can't believe he just did that. Why don't you go? That's your meditation. If you want to know the meditation of our young people, you come and listen to them during lunch hour. That's what's on their hearts. So they don't talk about scripture because they're not meditating on scripture day and night. They're meditating on the stats of a football player or some heathen, absolute heathen like LeBron James. Meditating on his scoring statistics. Psalms 66, or excuse me, 63, look what it says in verse 4. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. Now hold on for a second. He must be in the house of God. Everything must be wonderful in his life. Boy, David must be at a really good point in the palace. The meal's been prepared. His family at this point's in order. Everything is going well for him. No, no, can Can anyone go to the top of that chapter there, Psalm 63, and find out the circumstance? A Psalm of David, when he was in the wilderness of Judah, he's running for his life. He can't sleep at night because he has to take night watches with the men that are around him just to make sure the enemy doesn't sneak up and put a knife in his throat. And he's saying, I will praise thee, verse 5. My soul shall be satisfied with marrow and fatness. My mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. Now, how does that work when you know your life is being threatened? How is it that your mouth is uttering praise? When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee, when? That means even when he's getting up and it's his turn, to take the next three hours to look down upon the valley and make sure there's no movement. There are no soldiers. There are no enemy there. No one is coming for his life. He's praising God. 
Now let me ask you this, when you wake up in the night, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Is it scripture? You say, Pastor, this, we need to be realistic this morning. I've got so much on my plate, from the physical to the emotional to the marital to the, the financial, you name it, you know. When my heart is racing at night, it's not racing because of the Word of God. It's racing because of... Now, here's what God said. If you want to be the blessed man, you so fill yourself with Scripture during the day that at night, when you are awakened, it is Scripture that floods your thoughts. That's why he said, blessed is the man. That's why I didn't say, blessed are all the men. Blessed are all the people. Because we're not talking about great numbers. We're talking about a select few that have chosen to follow God's word and say, I'm going to take these few steps. I'm not going to fall into the trap of listening to the counsel of the ungodly. I'm going to make sure that in the morning hours, I am waking up and, and people, we've got to get out of this philosophy that I grew up with that is, uh, you have a morning devotional, that morning devotionals are not going to help you unless you make them your meditation all the day. Unless you say, I'm going to take a verse for the day. I would write a verse down. I would find a way to say that scripture, that passage, that thought. Now, people, I have an advantage. I have an advantage because my life is filled with preaching. Uh, yesterday, we, we had the work day, and when I left here, I, I have six messages that I'm working on, uh, three for today and uh, three for the conference this week, and literally, I, I felt like I was going to, some, something was not going to function in my brain because I'm trying to separate. And about the time I have an idea for one, I'm getting distracted by an idea for another. But here's what happens. Because of my life and my schedule, my obligation, I'm forced into the Word of God. I'm forced into meditation. Uh, when your life is disjointed by other responsibilities, you've got to take that seed thought and make sure that, that it comes back to you in the afternoon, it comes back to you in the evening uh, in order for it to be properly developed and conveyed to the congregation. But what if you don't have a time when you're preaching? And what if you don't have a class? And what if you don't have a congregation? And what if you don't have a designated ministry? It's still supposed to be on your lips. You say, what do I do? You've got to share that with someone. You got, now, here's what I don't believe. You don't need to carry around a pulpit. Be careful, moms. You need to make sure that your three kids are not your constant congregation. I'm going to preach to you today and preach to you tomorrow. I'll preach the devil out of you this week. That's not what we're talking about. Front row just got excited all of a sudden. <laughs> give it to them, pastor. Give it to them. Tell them the truth. But somehow, some way, those truths have to be on our minds and in our hearts long enough that they're coming out of our lips, they're being muttered. That's why scripture memory, I believe, is so important. Because it keeps that scripture on our hearts and on our minds, and it makes it the meditation, our meditation, day and night. Christian, I mean to tell you, I just, I don't think there are a whole lot of Christians that are making the word of God their daily meditation. How many remember Romans 12? Let's, let's just go there. This is a verse everyone should know, but we're going to read it. And hopefully, a few that haven't memorized it will put it to memory. Speaking of beseeching you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your 
bodies a living sacrifice. That's not the part I want to highlight. That's the part that's normally highlighted. Verse 2 is where we want to put the focus. And be not conformed to this world. Look at the next phrase. But be you what? Transformed how? Now here's the problem. When you got saved, your soul got saved. Your mind did not. That's why you can sit in church like you have this morning. And your mind keeps going somewhere else. And you keep bringing it back. And about the time the pastor slows that one, it goes again. And he raises his voice and your mind comes back. And you decide, I'm going to be the mother that I'm supposed to be. And I'm going to be the husband that I'm supposed to be. And I'm going to be the Christian that I'm supposed to be. And then your mind goes back to 15 years ago. And it goes back to a fault or a failure, that person you're living with. It, it, your mind is not born again. Your mind has to be transformed. Now, let me tell you something about your mind. You, uh, because of your mind, whatever you fill your mind with is what you are becoming. You are what you read. That's why, young people, you need to be careful what you're reading. You know how a person becomes a doctor? There's no shot that the medical world gives him in order to become a doctor. He's got to get in the books. He's got to to study. He has to fill his mind, his meditation to become what he is seeking to become. And you become what you read. And if you want to become like Christ, you're going to have to read. You're going to have to meditate. You're going to have to get in that book and figure out what the mind of God is. And you become transformed by renewing your mind, making God's word your meditation. You know how Latin's become a good pianist? <laughs> Got to read a lot of music. I can't do it. Can't take it. Ms. Simpson tried to get me to read notes. I'd rather read the labels on food cans. <laughs> That's why I didn't become a musician. That's why I didn't become a pianist. Right? You are... What you are meditating upon in young people, the more you, here's what the world has done. They facilitated the mind to focus on the garbage and smut and filth of this world. And our young people are becoming garbage cans because that is their meditation. I dare say the average Christian would be humiliated this morning if his meditation this week was revealed. Because it wasn't the word of God. You don't want to meditate on anything goes me to Philippians 4. You don't want to meditate on anything that doesn't fit within the parameters of the word of God. Young people, you need to surround yourself with people that can help you think right. Parents, you need to make sure their meditation is the word of God. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. Find me, my brother, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report. If there be any virtue, there be any praise, do what? Now, that's quite the filter. How, how much of our meditation can fit through that filter? I remember a Bible college, I went over to someone's house. And they had this verse written on, literally with a marker. They wrote this verse out on their TV screen. I said, does that help you? I said, you're better off just throwing the TV away. Because I don't know what coming through that TV is going to fit through that filter. I said, does that help you 
make sure that whatever you watch or meditate on is honest, just, pure, lovely, good report, virtuous? He said, not really. I've just learned to ignore it. Be careful because you'll say, oh boy, I can't believe he wrote that on his TV and then ignored it. You don't even write it on your TV. You just totally ignore it. And that's a verse we all know. Look what it says in Deuteronomy. Go with me to chapter, Deuteronomy chapter 6. We ought to help our young people meditate on that which will renew their mind to bring them the blessing of God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. It's a great command. Just rarely followed. Now, how is that supposed to become a part of our lives? Verse 6. These words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. How do they become part of your heart? Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Thou shalt talk to them while thou sittest in thine house. When thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. Thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house, and on thy gates. Wow! He said, you make sure that their minds can't get away from these things. Make sure as a parent their meditation is right. Now let me ask you this, parents. Do you understand this world's only becoming more rotten, more putrid, more filthy? At this point, it's just beyond the imaginable. And as parents, we're becoming less and less careful and cautious about the minds of our children and their meditation. So when they go to the mall, what is the world immediately putting into their minds? If they turn on the TV, if they go online, what is the world immediately stamping upon their minds? Eye gate, ear gate. Everything contrary to the word of God. So as parents, we have to say, first of all, I want to protect them from the wrong thing becoming their meditation and then make sure I'm providing them the right thing. This is why good, godly Christian music is so important. This is why Bible apps are so important. This is why conversation in the house and conversation in the vehicle, verses on the walls, verses on three by five cards. When you talk to your kids, what did you read today? What is your meditation? The first thing you ought to ask your children, uh, establishing in their hearts and in their lives, not just a daily devotion, but a daily meditation. What is the verse or the thought, what is your meditation for the day? And then by the afternoon, say, now that you've meditated on it all day, what is the principle that you're going to put into practice as a result of the meditation on God's Word? If you don't make that their meditation, if you don't make it your meditation, let me ask you this. What was your meditation yesterday? What consumed your thoughts all day? Was it a Bible principle? Was it a verse? What is a godly thought? Was it something drawing you closer to God? Blessed is the man. Is that man found in our church auditorium today? Blessed is the man who says, I'm not going to sit, stand, or walk in that kind of counsel. I'm not sitting at the seat of the scorners. Most... The time when a Christian finds himself 
outside of God's people. He is sitting at the, this is why I wouldn't sit at a lunch break table with the world because you're sitting at the seat of scorners. Whatever's coming into your ear gate is only that which mocks the very word of God. And I want to make sure that my children are not sitting at the seat of scorners or they can't be blessed. Now let's see the last thing we're done. Psalms 1. That man that is blessed is the one that has separated himself from the wrong kind of counsel. He's saturated in the word of God. Now look what it says in verse 3. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit and his season and his leaf all shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. I want to live this way. Now, it's highlighting not just the, the average tree, but a tree like one that's been planted in an orchard, one that is being specifically cared for and watered and nourished. So when other trees are suffering through drought, this tree has not been properly planted and cared for. You know what that means? The blessed man, there's a spiritual stability there that you just don't see anywhere else. Now, Christian, let me ask you this. Are you firmly planted? I, I, I think uh, too often the Christians don't have roots deep enough. You know where that starts? You're avoiding the wrong counsel. You're surrounding yourself with, with things that are going to help you meditate on the word of God. Now here's, here's what happens. Look what it says in verse 6. The Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. There's two ways here. The way of the righteous, the way of the ungodly. We too often think, I can't fall in that category because I'm saved. Not so. Then godly is the one that is doing that which is godless. Not enough God in his thoughts or in his meditation. Now, church, here's what I'm asking you, especially during the summer months. Are you saying, I want to be that blessed man? And here's what I want to do. My situation is very different than yours. My circumstance is very different than yours. My schedule is very different than yours. My obligations are very different. And most of the time, my day is spent with Christians in a Christian environment unless I choose to get with the unsaved and witness to them. But I'm not sitting at your work table. I don't have your boss. I'm not surrounded by your family. I live a very isolated life. I, I'm not hearing those curse words. I'm not hearing that music. I'm not hearing the voice of the scorner. I'm not hearing the words of filth that pour out of the mouth of the unsaved. I'm not there. I don't have your same battle. Your battle is greater because you have to say, I am submerged in this environment and yet I have to find a way to do what God says and make sure that I'm closing my ears and my eyes and not bringing any of that. The worst thing you can do if you're already facing it in the world is to bring it to your house. Why would you battle that outside the house and then re-battle it inside the home? What a tragic mistake that would be. At least make your home a refuge. Make your house a guarded place where the filth of this world is not allowed to settle in and your children aren't allowed to sit at the feet of this corner. You need to explain to them, we want to live the blessed life. 
But that means not just boxing out that which is going to contaminate your mind, but saying, I need to be transformed by the renewing of my mind, which means I have to find a way every single day that starts. It's not this saturating of the mind that's going to transform. Now, here's what the world wants to do. It wants to transform you into what you were before Christ. How many of you in the same day, you had your devotions, you went to the world, they pulled you down into what they are? And you bounce back up. And then they pulled you back down. And you came back up. They pulled your mind where it should not have been. They took your meditation to where it should not have been. Church, this is why it's so important to say. My meditation is not a 30-minute moment at the beginning of my day. That's where I establish the meditation that's going to last all day. That's where the verse is chosen. That's where the Holy Spirit of God speaks to me. That's where the principle is written. That's where I take and say, this will be my meditation all the day. And that's why one of the best things you do, turn off the radio. Or find Christian radio, truly Christ-honoring Christian radio. Your Bible app and say, I'm going to protect my mind. Because at the end of the day, I want my home blessed. I want my family blessed. I want my life blessed. Christian, we're watching Christians who live in constant failure because the world controls their meditation. And you can put on the shirt and tie and the dress and you can look the part. You can be sitting here. This, I guarantee you a large part of this crowd this morning, their meditation had nothing to do with the sermon that was given because the world controls your meditation. Your mind has been trained to meditate upon the wrong thing. And God says, I want to transform your mind, renewing it through the word of God.